Did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online, and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. This spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code POOL at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code POOL at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code POOL. Offer is valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. Today is September 1st, 2021, and our first story, a leaked phone call from Biden shows he knew the world saw the Taliban winning in Afghanistan by July 23rd. Many are now wondering, was this the plan all along? Was it really botched or was it on purpose? And this is why our next story shows that Joe Biden's approval rating is tanking every day with more and more people saying they regret voting for Joe Biden. In our last story, Texas officially passes the heartbeat bill banning abortion after six weeks, entertaining an interesting thought. Where are all of the pro-choicers to complain about vaccine mandates, which also force a government to make decisions for you? We don't see that, do we? If you like this show, leave us a good review and give us five stars. And if you really like the show, share it with your friends. Now, let's get into that first story. It's starting to look like everything that's gone down in Afghanistan was all a part of the plan. And many people speculated this. Tucker Carlson was having a conversation, I think it was with Glenn Greenwald on his show, and they entertained the possibility that Biden meant to do this. And there's a reason why we botched Afghanistan. I don't know exactly why. Some speculate it's to punish those who are anti-war or to create a justification for going back in or maybe even going to war with Iran, because now Iran's going to be able to get access to a ton of this weaponry that the Taliban has, which is ours, and it could cause all sorts of problems, and then create an expansive threat to other countries. And the U.S. will go, oh, no, look what we have to do now. I mean, let's let's, let's be real. You have the Mujahideen. You had the United States providing funding, training, and resources to these people. And then what, you know, a couple decades later, or you know, or so, they're like, oh, no, now we have to go fight these people. Oh, geez, they're the problem. It's, it's their fault. So we go in, we make a problem. And a decade later, we're like, oh, no, look. So what's going to happen now? In 10 years, they're going to be like a rogue squad of fighter planes. And they're not going to tell you that, oh, but they were ours and we left them there. Check out this story. As Biden repeats claim that nobody could have known Afghan army would collapse, bombshell transcript from July reveals he pressured Afghan President Ghani to create perception Taliban wasn't winning, whether it's true or not. This, my friends, paints a very damning picture. That means Biden knew privately and everything was falling apart. 
And what did he do? Nothing. I mean, he went to the president of Afghanistan and said, keep it on the DL. Here's the story. And boy, I, got, I want to go through the timeline for you because Biden gave a, gave a statement where he said, it's never going to happen. The, the, the Taliban aren't going to take over. The only problem, they abandoned Bagram Air Force Base in the middle of the night, shutting off the power and not even telling the Afghan security forces. Tell me that wasn't on purpose. President Joe Biden wanted the now departed Afghan president to create the perception that his government was capable of holding off the Taliban, an indication he knew it was only a matter of time before the U.S. ally fell to the Islamic group, even while reassuring Americans at home that it would not happen. In the last phone call between Biden and his Afghan then counterpart, Ashraf Ghani, the American president said they needed to change perceptions about the Taliban's rapid advance, whether it is true or not, according to excerpts published on Tuesday. The call took place on July 23rd, weeks before the fall of Kabul. But Biden on Tuesday repeated his assertions that his team was caught flat footed by the rapid Taliban takeover of the country. Quote, the assumption was that more than 300,000 Afghan national security forces that we had trained over the past two decades and equipped would be a strong adversary in their civil wars with the Taliban, Biden told the nation in a televised speech from the White House on Tuesday. That assumption that the, the Afghan government would be able to hold on for a period of time beyond military drawdown turned out not to be accurate. But I still instructed our national security team to prepare for every eventuality, even that one. And that's what we did. So we were ready when the Afghan security forces, after two decades of fighting for their country and losing thousands of their own, did not hold on as long as anyone expected. Four weeks before Kabul collapsed, Ghani pleaded for more air support and money for soldiers who had not had a pay raise in a decade. Biden knew all of this, lied to the public, told Ghani to shut up and, and act like everything's cool before Kabul fell. Biden knew this was going to happen. It's no wonder when the corpses of fallen service members are being brought out that Joe Biden checks his watch and doesn't care about the people who died under his watch when he knew this was happening. He knew it was happening. He doesn't care about those people who would risk their lives. He doesn't care about the Americans who are left behind. And it's so strange to me how there is this, you know, some people who are trying to play middle of the road like, oh, conservatives, you know, all of a sudden now care about the Americans left behind. But it's not like they're, you know, uh, like the people being left behind are, are Americans. But they're like, you know, pe many people who were born in other countries or they're born in Afghanistan. I, I don't I don't care. We have an obligation to American citizens. Joe Biden lied and people died. It's not some quip. It's 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 a fact. Joe Biden knew before the fall of Kabul, the Taliban was set to take over, lied to the American people. They abandoned the Air Force Base before this. Mind you, we'll go through the timeline. And in the end, it just seems like it's all on purpose because, look, when he had this phone call and was talking about this, they could have said, OK, we now know the Taliban is, 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 is rapidly advancing. Let's get our troops back to Bagram Air Force Base. Let's 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 reclaim Bagram. Let's he didn't do it. No, he said, whatever. Hey, Karzai Airport. We'll, see, we'll let them fend for, what, what let them fend for themselves. Check this out. A transcript 
obtained by Reuters from an anonymous source reveals two leaders oblivious to the impending disaster. And an American president focused on spinning the message. I don't think it's fair to say oblivious. They knew they were advancing. Quote, I, I need not tell you the perception around the world and parts of Afghanistan, I believe, is that things are not going well in terms of the fight against the Taliban. And there is a need, whether it is true or not, there is a need to project a different picture. The Taliban were already capturing district after district across the country, while the U.S. and Afghanistan were at loggerheads over tactics. In the months leading up to the chaotic U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was completed on Monday, Biden was telling the public a different story, that the withdrawal would be done smoothly and that Washington's Afghan allies were in control. I don't think anybody anticipated that, Biden told ABC News when asked about the swift disintegration of the Afghan security forces. In April, Biden said that the U.S. couldn't stay in Afghanistan forever and that it was time to bring the troops home. I can respect that. Absolutely. We'll do it responsibly, deliberately and safely, and we will do it in full coordination with our allies and partners who now have more forces in Afghanistan than we do. And the Taliban should know that if they attack us as we draw down, we will defend ourselves and our partners with all the tools at our disposal. (laughs) And he didn't do it. Biden lied over and over and over again. When asked if a Taliban takeover of Afghanistan was inevitable, the president responded, no, it's not. I'm going to show you the timeline. He's lying. Biden said that the Afghan government has 300,000 well-equipped forces, as well-equipped as any army in the world and an air force against something like 75,000 Taliban. So on this phone call, when he said they had an air force and the president said, we need air support and the air force base had already long been abandoned and looted by civilians, Biden comes out and says, I got an air force, everybody. No, I'm sorry. Look, I don't know for sure, but if I, if I was a betting man and I had to put money down on the table, I'd bet it was on purpose. It's not inevitable. When Biden was asked if he trusted the Taliban, the president replied, no, but I trust the capacity of the Afghan military, who is better trained, better equipped and more competent in terms of conducting war. The president was then asked about his own intelligence community's assessment that the Afghan government would likely collapse. That is not true. They did not reach that conclusion. The intelligence community did not say back in June or July that, in fact, this was going to collapse like it did. Biden told ABC News earlier this month. Biden said that he was not told that the Taliban would take over as quickly as they did. Instead, he said there was a possibility it would take more time. Not even close, Biden said. Behind the scenes, however, Biden apparently knew the situation was more precarious. Two weeks after his remarks to reporters denying that the Taliban takeover was inevitable, Biden and Ghani spoke for about 14 minutes on July 23rd. It was their last conversation before the Taliban captured the capital. Ghani fled the presidential palace, Kabul and the country on August 15th. By then, a chaotic evacuation was already underway, helping tens of thousands of people to, uh, to safety. As the cost of the 13 American troops and dozens of Afghans killed in a suicide attack uh, on, on the Kabul airport. But in mid-July, Biden was intent on Ghani delivering a public message and public plan that would shore up confidence in the Afghan government. You clearly have the best military. You have 300,000 well-armed forces versus 70, 80,000, and they're clearly capable of fighting well. We will continue to provide close air support if we know that the plan is, know what the plan is and what we are doing. He pushed Ghani to allow his defense minister, General Bismillah Khan Muhammad, uh, Muhammad, Muhammadi, to pursue a strategy 
that would focus on defending major population centers. And he urged the Afghan president to bring together some of the most powerful anti-Taliban warlords in a show of support to reverse perceptions of a crumbling government. But I really think, I don't know whether you're aware just how much the perception around the world is that this is looking like a losing proposition, which it's not. It is not that it necessarily is that. But so the conclusion I'm asking you to consider is to bring together everyone, former Vice President Abdul Rashid Dostum, to former President Hamid Karzai, and in between, he said. If they stand there and say they back the strategy you put together and put a warrior in charge, you know a military man, Khan in charge of executing the strategy, and that will change perception, and that will change an awful lot, I think. Ghani responded by saying Afghanistan was facing not just the Taliban, but their foreign backers. We are facing a full-scale invasion composed of Taliban, full Pakistani planning and logistical support, and at least 10 to 15,000 international terrorists, predominantly Pakistanis, thrown into this. But he also asked that Americans, clo- uh, that asked that American close air support be front-loaded to help with the challenges faced by the Afghan army immediately. Details of the conversation emerged a day after the last U.S. troops were flown out of Kabul, ending America's longest war. I love the leaks. Isn't it funny? Recession and inflation are here. Gas, housing, and everyday goods are up, way up. And you want to be ready for any situation. So what would you do if there's no food on the shelf? Arc Heirloom Seeds are here to help. Did you know 99% of seeds sold today can't reproduce? With Heirloom Seeds, you only have to plant once. Then you can grow year after year, giving you and your family stability and security because things are getting crazy out there. Our all-in-one seed kit provides everything you need to grow your own food. This premium seed kit has a over 65 varieties, 50,000 seeds in stores for 15 years. You'll also get our exclusive seed guide to make growing a no-brainer. Arc Seed Kits is a family-owned and operated business and the most trusted name in the nation for over 15 years. Our mandate is to get heirloom seeds into every home in America. Go to arcseedkits.com today and get free shipping by entering promo code podcast. That's ARKSeedKits.com, promo code podcast. Get your seeds, get prepared, get growing. ArcSeedKits.com. Why, why the leaks? Why is, why is this being leaked out to people? Sure, making Biden look bad. You know, it's because the, the, the intelligence community and the deep state, the permanent government, whatever you want to call it, they love war. They want war. And when even Joe Biden says, we're going we're gonna to get out of Afghanistan and screws it all up, they still want the war. That's what I think, at least. Let me show you something. Not even close. Biden said no one predicted Taliban would take over so quickly. This story from August 20th, they mentioned in a July news conference, Biden had rejected the idea that a Taliban takeover was inevitable. No, it is not. He said, hadn't his own intelligence community made that conclusion? That is not true. During the ABC interview that aired Thursday, Biden said the idea that that the Taliban would take over was premised on the notion the Afghan army, which was larger and better equipped than the Taliban, would collapse. I don't think anybody anticipated that. I bring you now to the Wikipedia entry for Bagram Air Force Base which is the centerpiece of the controversy, at least I believe it's fair to say, in Afghanistan. Let me read for, uh, read, read, read for you a few passages, starting with the early, uh, just one, one space, one, one uh, sentence earlier. On 20th November 2019, U.S. President Trump visited the Bagram airfield for the first time to celebrate Thanksgiving with the U.S. troops there. Next. As part of the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan after nearly 20 years of continuous U.S. presence at the site, the Bagram Air Base was handed back to the Afghan government on 1 July 2020. 
The last remaining U.S. troops left the base by shutting off the electricity and slipping away in the night without notifying the Afghan armed forces. The base was looted by local civilians soon after U.S. forces left the area. The Afghan National Army Army later took control of the area and arrested some looters. On August 15th, Afghan troops stationed there gave up their position to the Taliban, losing control of the airfield. Joe Biden said to, to Ghani, it's not going bad. Tell everybody it's great. Why would they abandon the airfield in the dead of night, shutting out the, electric, the electricity and not informing the Afghan National Army what they had done? Why would they do that on July 1st? And then Biden would come out a week later and say, no, the Taliban won't take over. Well, hold on. If you really believed that the Taliban wouldn't take over because the Afghan security forces had a powerful 300,000 person strong army and an air force, like they said, why wouldn't you do a strategic handoff of the air force base to the Afghan national army? Why wouldn't there be a transitional period where the Afghan national army would be brought in and they would slowly start relieving, you know, uh, uh, Americans of command in the base and, and bringing them back, withdrawing them and then transferring that power to the Afghan National Army. I'm not I, I didn't serve in the military. I didn't, you know, uh, go overseas. But I can tell you this. Ain't nobody going to argue to me that it was the right thing to do to not tell the Afghan army you were abandoning the Air Force base in the dead of night. That makes no sense. And then for Biden to come out a week later and say, no, 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 everything's going to be fine. They're not going to take over. It's like, dude, you you crippled the Afghan National Army. You pulled logistics. Contractors were pulled and you abandoned the Air Force base to looters without telling the, the Afghan forces and then expected them to be able to fight back. Mm, I don't think so. So what ended up happening? Well, one op ed I read from a military expert, I think it was in the Wall Street Journal, was that. American military doctrine is air, is, is air strikes. It's air superiority. And while the Afghan National Army did have an air force, we, we abandoned them. We abandoned maintenance, logistics, and we abandoned Bagram in the dead of night without telling them. So Ghani told Biden weeks later, we need air support. That to me is really, really incredible. He said, we need this. Now think about this for two seconds. On July 23rd, the leaked calls reveal Joe Biden was saying it's looking bad. We want it. We want a message coming out saying it's not going bad. If they knew it was looking bad and people felt like, you know, things were falling, then uh, why could not have Joe Biden sent the, the U.S. troops, the couple thousand that he had stationed in Kabul to Bagram Air Force Base and start staging an evacuation? Now, I think it's fair to point out perhaps it's because they're cowards. Biden felt it's, it's possible in this phone call. We need a morale booster. We need to rally everybody to hold the line, to hold the center. You know, why I just don't believe that because of the Bagram Air Force Base thing. Biden kneecapped the Afghan National Army, at least in, in, in Kabul, sent the troops to a civilian airport where it was going to be damn near impossible to get people in, left the airport to looters. And you mean to tell me that I'm supposed to believe Biden in, was in, w- w- this was all an accident? It was all a big misunderstanding, a big mistake, a big tactical error? Yeah, you make it hard to believe. Sorry. The phone call is big. You know, learning about what he was saying behind the scenes is big. To tell the president 
that people around the world are saying it's going bad. So, so why do it? Why? I, I don't understand. What's the goal? Punishment? Instability? Crisis? Chaos? You know, maybe we'll be out of Afghanistan now, but what happens in 10 years? Will the crisis get so bad in 10 years we're going to have a new ISIS? I mean, we already do, apparently. Is ISIS-K going to start taking control? Is Iran going to start teaming up with Afghanistan and engaging in these massive military exercises with their new air force? Take a look at this. Might of the Taliban Air Force. Islamists now have 48 aircraft, including Blackhawks and A-29 attack planes, after U.S. retreat left them with more air power than many NATO nations. Look at this. This is amazing. I, I, I love this. Taliban Air Force versus NATO. The U.S., 13,233 vehicles in their air force. The next biggest is France with 1,057, Turkey, 1,056, Italy, 867. And then we go down to Taliban, 48. So uh, I, I don't believe this is actually correct, a correct number, to be completely honest, because I thought it was more than that. But, you know, let's be fair. We'll just read what the news we, we have here. They have more than Slovenia, Macedonia, Albania, Albania, Bosnia, Lithuania, Montenegro, Estonia. Iceland has zero. Luxembourg has zero. 48 aircraft. So I, I, my understanding is that it was a lot more, but perhaps this is the official tally right now. 48. I thought it was like hundreds. But you know what? Either way, I think we, we, we get the point. The Taliban now has a massive, has massive military might. And, and, and I, I firmly believe they're going to start selling stuff to Iran. So what does this mean for us here at home? Well, I hope you all share stories like this. Ask these questions. If they knew things were going bad, why wouldn't they reinforce the Air Force base and provide the air support requested by Ghani? Why would Joe Biden lie to the American people? Why would they keep U.S. men and women in uniform, service members, at the Abbey Gate when they knew an attack was imminent? Was this all on purpose? Why would Joe Biden check his watch every time the body of one of these men and women was brought out? Why would, why would he not care? Why would he roll his eyes? He never cared in the first place. And so I don't want to, you know, there's, I don't know if there's a conspiracy. I can tell you this. There's planning and there's failure and there's intent. But I'm, maybe there's no real goal, no real conspiracy. Biden's just saying to himself, I don't care. Get our troops out. Screw them. You know what? There are a lot of people who feel that way. A lot of isolationists in the United States who feel like we should have just pulled out and said, don't care, not Americans. Sorry. The problem is the Americans who are there, who are still trapped there. And we don't know the exact number. Some, there's low estimates. There's high estimates. There's the story yesterday of the woman who was shocked to find out that the last plane left and she couldn't get in. And I want you to remember this now when you look at that story about Bagram and what Biden was saying, that they had advanced warning the Taliban was moving in, that they had advanced time, ample time to get troops to Bagram that they abandoned Bagram to looters. So when that woman, that American woman said, I went to the gate, I did everything they said, I had the secret code, I had the umbrella so they could see me and they tear gassed us and I couldn't get in. If they were at Bagram, she would have gotten in. The Americans would have gotten out. So to me, maybe it is so simple to say that Joe, uh, Joe Biden just falls asleep in these meetings and no one around him cares to correct him. Kamala Harris is just laughing, saying, you know, soon will be my time because Biden's failing so miserably. They'll impeach him or remove him or he'll resign. And then she'll say, I'm going to come to save the day. 
They, they screwed this up so royally. I have to wonder if Milley and, and Harris and the people around Biden were just sitting there being like, I'm not going to be the one to say anything. Sycophants and yes men for a, a delusional old man who isn't fit for this job. Is that the cold reality of Afghanistan? Perhaps. So look, I'll, I'll end with this. I don't know if it's on purpose. I, I don't know because I can't read minds. But I, I think it's fair to say we can act as though it was. You know, regardless, what, what I mean is I will not give Biden the benefit of the doubt on this one. I will give him the, uh, the absolute derision and disdain and distrust, in which case, regardless of whether or not it was intentional, we should move swiftly to impeach Joe Biden. I'll tell you this. I don't like the Republican Party. But if any Republican runs on the platform of immediately impeaching Joe Biden, they're going to sweep and I'd vote for him. I don't even know. Some people have, you know, like we, I talked to Ian on Tim Castile and he says, at least Kamala Harris has got a brain. It's true. A nasty, she's a nasty person. But at least she's not, I don't know, Biden. But I'll tell you this, it's not enough. It's the whole administration. It's Millie. I don't see a way out of this. I really, really don't. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at 1 p.m. on this channel. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you all then. Across several different polls, as well as aggregate polling, the Biden administration's approval rating continues to sink to new lows nearly every single day. And while there are some polls that show he's above water or maybe 50-50, most of the polls, and again, the aggregates show he's sinking. Why? I think regular Americans are starting to wake up to the problems. For one, liberals and progressives who demanded certain left-wing policy changes didn't get them. When Joe Biden got elected, all of a sudden, all those promises were just washed away. Priorities shifted. Although he did give them some of what they wanted, he, he reversed Donald Trump's ban on critical race praxis in government. We still see many people saying on Twitter like, yo, what about all of these things you said you'd do for us? He didn't do them. But that was fine for most people. They'd say, yeah, well, we expected him to lie. And I guess Joe Biden not giving us what we want. Well, it's better than Donald Trump. And then they started seeing something interesting. The reopening of child migrant detention facilities, the catastrophe in Afghanistan, the failing economy, the labor shortage, the price increases, and people started to wake up to, uh-oh, this is way worse than Donald Trump. Perhaps it was that your emotional responses to fake news and grifter manipulation from the mainstream press drove you to do something entirely stupid. And now you are learning that fire indeed hot. When you touch it, it burns. But you were told over and over again by the press that Joe Biden wasn't going to cause any of these problems. Well, of course, we've seen many Republicans say that we should be invoking the 25th Amendment or Kamala Harris should be or that the Biden administration. They, they should be all impeached. Of course, Republicans would say that. And of course, we are still seeing Democrat propagandists and left wing activists who refuse to accept the failures of the Biden administration across the board. Oh, they may concede Afghanistan is bad. Why? Because they've lost the support of the mainstream media, even even Chris Cuomo is running segments of Americans trapped in Afghanistan. You see, the warmonger class, they have no choice. They have to push the lines that will drive America further into war and conflict. And that spells bad news for Democrats and Republicans moving forward. And this is good news for disaffected liberals, the politically homeless, anti-war activists, because it means that so long 
as the populist right can maintain or grow their position in the Republican Party. With people flocking away from Democrats, you may actually start to see a return to American priorities, the end of foreign war. And I got to admit, for many progressive leftists, these would be victories, though they would certainly lose on many of their leftist arguments. And I'm not talking about the authoritarian left. They're crying right now. Now, a lot of these leftist populists who maybe want universal health care, other policies, which, you know, do sort of flow into the area of authoritarian. Their main concern is improving the lives of the working class, not government or state power, though they may inadvertently give that up. They should be happy to see war ending and Republican politicians win who oppose authoritarianism and would seek to end foreign interventions, protect our borders, protect the working class. Have you seen the price of gold lately? It's hitting all time highs. And when it comes to investing in gold, check out Noble Gold Investments. They have a track record of excellence that's second to none. Just look at their thousands of five-star reviews on Trustpilot, Google, and the Better Business Bureau. Customers rave about their knowledgeable staff, smooth investment process, and life-changing results, which you can see for yourself online. That's the kind of reputation you can count on. But it's not just about the reviews. Noble Gold Investments truly care about their clients. They take the time to understand your unique needs and goals, and they give expert guidance every step of the way. That level of personalized service is rare in this industry. Look, when it comes to securing your financial future, you can't afford to take chances. Go with the gold company that has earned the trust of countless investors. Visit noblegoldinvestments.com slash Tim Pool today and discover why Noble Gold Investments is the only choice for smart, secure gold investments. Or call them at 877-646-5347. Again, that's 877-646-5347. However, I think tribalism runs deep, and many of these people refuse to accept it. But at the very least, we are now seeing many staunch never-Trumpers shocked and just saying, you know what, I regret my vote on Twitter. We saw many people saying that they regretted their vote for Joe Biden. Sam Harris, notoriously anti-Trump, has tweeted out that he is eating his words syllable by syllable because people are finally realizing Joe Biden had no plan. Joe Biden didn't campaign. He just kept calling a lid. But you hated Trump so much you were willing to crash the ship just for the sake of saying orange man bad, I guess. And it shows you the dangerous path we're on when people are willing to vote for someone, not because they believe in what he offers, but because they just hate. They hate. They hate. That's what the Democratic Party has to offer. That's why when they text my phone, these these people running like the person who's running against Lauren Boebert in Colorado, she said, vote for help me win my campaign because Lauren Boebert is bad. And I said, that is not a campaign. I have no idea what you want to do or why I would donate to you. So I'm not going to going to. How about you text me something other than hate these people? Because I don't want to hate people. I don't want to hate you when you text me telling me to hate. But I'm sick of it. And maybe now other people are starting to wake up to it, which means the prospects for 2022, though an eternity away in political standards, it may be shifting very heavily for a lot of reasons outside of just gerrymandering. But let's take a look at some of this polling. And I'll, I'll first show you the Republican outrage, but we'll quickly just jump into the current state of Biden regret. 
Before we get started, head over to TimCast.com, become a member, and you will get an ad-free experience on all of our amazing news articles, as well as access to exclusive members-only segments with many more shows currently in the works. We're working on another show called The Green Room, which is actually just when we have guests arriving, and there's some, you know, sillier conversations, things you might not know, interesting ideas that don't make it to the main show, because, well, the main show is very political, but maybe, you know, when we had Bannon here, we were talking about, like, transhumanism and globalism and technocracy, and these things don't make it into the main show, but they're interesting nonetheless. That will just be boom. If you're a member, you get that, and you get the members-only segment. Become a member, but don't forget, like this video, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends, let me first show you the obvious. We have this from Ross Story. Lauren Boebert demands Kamala Harris be impeached for not invoking the 25th Amendment. Well, you know, with all due respect, I think this is fairly predictable. Lauren Boebert is a right wing populist, America first type candidate. And so, of course, she's going to be like, we should use every tool in our arsenal to impeach and remove the failing presidency. It's obvious, isn't it? We have Maria Bartiromo, ignorantly asking Kevin McCarthy to look at the 25th Amendment to remove Biden from a couple days ago. Ross Story, of course, is the source and they are left leaning and they and, and they call her ignorant for saying it. I don't understand why that would be ignorant. I, that makes no sense. I understand the vice president needs to invoke it, but she can certainly look at it. Now, regardless, seeing Mar- uh, Maria Bartiromo entertain the 25th Amendment, entirely predictable. And then we have Madison Cawthorn calls on Harris to invoke 25th Amendment and remove Joe Biden as president over Afghanistan crisis. Biden's inability to lead is not a political talking point. It's a demonstrable fact, he said. Now, we can come back and take a look at these arguments, but I'm more interested in what do Biden's supporters or, you know, I guess not really his supporters, but what do do his voters have to say? You may have seen this. Sam Harris tweeted on January 20th, feeling overwhelming gratitude for the adults in the room. And then on August 26, Sam Harris, one of the biggest podcasters in the world with 1.5 million followers, said publicly eating these words syllable by syllable. We have this tweet, one woman to 11,200 retweets. I regret my vote for Biden. Here's another one. I thought I voted for Biden so this ish wouldn't happen. This is absolutely BS. In response to learning that the DHS was using expedited removal for families who cross without authorization on the southern border. And then we have on Twitter, regret voting for Biden actually was trending. I don't think it was trending as far and wide as people might want it to, but it was certainly <laughs> popping up because of the Afghanistan crisis. One person says, I can honestly say I regret voting for Biden. Anyone regret voting for Biden yet? Ugh. After Afghanistan, more people regret voting for Biden. This is from NewJersey.com. This is people starting to wake up. NewJersey.com reporting, or I'm sorry, it's an opinion piece. They say, I did not always agree with the comments President Donald Trump made while in office, but I admired the way he handled world affairs and the economy. We are piling on such debt that I do not see how we will ever pay it back. We've lost our respect as a nation from world leaders after the Afghanistan failure. I do not believe we should blame President Joe Biden. We should blame the voters who elected him a lifelong politician who has previously opposed military actions against our enemies and someone who more Americans are realizing that the job of president is over his head. Thanks to his incompetence, 13 Americans died for nothing during the withdrawal from Afghanistan. Biden voters wanted more free stuff and public workers unions supported him to gain power and to continue ruining the country. Now you can see the mistake they made. 
Our schools teach more hate than math and science. We spend more on education than most other developed countries, but rank in the middle of the pack for math and science. This is because of irresponsible teachers backed by their unions. The public unions deserve a lot of blame for our high cost of living since they support politicians who give away the store to those unions. Now, I don't completely agree with all of the sentiment there in that op-ed. The point is, a lot of people are regretting their vote. One person says, Joe Biden, I regret voting for someone who would allow so many people to become destitute on September 6th. You see, it's the left. It, it, is, it is not just the liberals. It is the leftists. There's no winning when you build a coalition of people who hate each other. Leftists don't like liberals. Liberals don't like leftists. There's no winning. Here's, there's, just, there's, there's tons of it, okay? I don't need to show you every single person who said they regret. There are some people who say they didn't regret it. One person says, I regret voting for Biden so much, dude. Less than a year in office, and I look around at the turmoil he's created. Some people say they don't regret it because the alternative was Donald Trump. Okay, that's fine. But people are finally starting to wake up. You see, it didn't just start now with Afghanistan. From the socialistalternative.org, Biden betrays progressive promises. How do we win real change? July 1st, people were recognizing what Joe Biden was saying, what he meant, and he did not and never meant to help progressives. All of these young people who were exploited by the Democratic Party, this is what they do. And I hope you now wake up and realize how it works. There's an old saying that if you're not liberal when you're young, you have no heart. And if you're not conservative when you're old, you have no head. And I think it's actually a dumb saying. The reality is Democrats exploit the fact that young people don't have experience with what they do to people in the previous administrations. So for me, when I stupidly voted for Obama in 2008, I thought, hey, this sounds good to me. And then I was like, oh, look, I voted for the exact same thing. And then come 2016, I said, yo, I'm out. And then come 2020, I'm like, yeah, OK, these people are nuts. I'm going to vote for Trump. And there were a lot of young people I talked to who said, but Trump's really bad. You got to vote for the Democrats. And I'm like, yo, Joe Biden was VP in the Obama administration. Eight years. We saw what happened. And they're like, I don't remember any of that. I was a child. And there it is. That's why they want the voting age to be lower. Let's talk about Biden's failure and why people are regretting it. Or I should say a reflection of that regret appears in polls. The real clear politics aggregate. Now, of course, I use civics. I've used other polls and talked about Joe Biden's failing, falling approval rating. But to be fair, I've often said of Trump, I don't think any single poll is fair to use. Though in some of my segments, I have used individual polls. I think it's fair to criticize me absolutely in that regard. But I do think aggregate polling is much better because there's a bunch of different biases that appear in different polling. And when you put them all together, you get a better picture much bigger sample size, right, of all these different polls. Well, the Real Clear Politics approval rating shows that Joe Biden enjoyed massive approval, 55% back on January 27th, which to me makes no sense. For any president to come into an approval rating after not doing anything makes no sense. But look at this. Over time, it just falls. It pops up a little bit, then falls a little bit more, pops up a little bit, falls even more, and has now dropped dramatically to the worst it's ever been in aggregate. An approval rating of 45.8 with a disapproval of 49.2. That's bad. And some are predicting, based on what we've seen in the press, that this could be the end for the Biden administration. He's not going to be able to pull himself out of this rut. I don't think he can. You know, I thought when Biden got elected that he was bad, but at least you'd have adults in the room, right? 
It's kind of what Sam Harris said. I didn't like Joe Biden. I wasn't stupid enough to vote for him. But people like Sam Harris fell for it. And he's supposed to be a smart guy. Why'd you fall for it? Now you're eating your words. Look, to the people who voted for him and regret it, I don't say, ha ha, you know, Nelson from The Simpsons. Ha. No, I say, welcome to the fight. Thank you for finally starting to understand. Now let's try and clean up this mess. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe in 2022, we need Republicans to come in and just vote to impeach and remove him and Kamala. But then what? Speaker Pelosi president? I don't think that's a solution either. I think our government is fundamentally damaged, mind you, because we have too many people who don't care and are extracting from the system. Now, of course, I want to point out in these polls, you can see Rasmussen has Biden extremely underwater with 42 approval and 46 disapproval, a spread of 14. But don't but you, you may look at that and say, oh, Rasmussen is so biased. Hold on. USA Today, Suffolk has 41 approval to 55 disapproval. That from a couple of weeks ago, from about a week or two ago, minus 14 in the spread. And you have Reuters, which is plus three. You've got Economist plus one. Politico is minus two. I'm sorry. I think it is fair to say that when you put all the polls together, any honest person would recognize the failure of the Biden administration. It's been getting worse. It has been getting recognizable to the point where even 538, bless their hearts, have no choice but to say, okay, people don't like Joe Biden. Look at this. 538 of all outlets, 47.2% disapproval, 46.7% approval. That to me is truly amazing. And I, I want to make sure we go over to civics. I think civics is a fantastic source because they can break things down by demographics. And they have 94,961 responses, which is absolutely massive. And you can see that right now, 50% of people disapprove of Biden, 42% approve. What I love about civics and why I like using it is that you can, you can then look at Democrats and see, it's almost like Joe Biden can do no wrong. Since Joe Biden started, uh, it was, was inaugurated. He's only lost 5% of Democrats. And a good portion just are undecided now. 85% still approve. Republicans, actually, this one surprised me. He started with 90% disapproval and now sits at 94% disapproval. I didn't realize Republicans would be willing to give him a chance, but they did. And he, he, he lost that one. But ind- independent voters are where, it's, where it matters. 58% disapproval. 38, um, I'm sorry, 30% approval. Those are the people who need convincing to vote one way or the other. That to me is fascinating that we're seeing all of this. And I'll tell you what I find really, really funny in the fact that it's obvious Joe Biden is failing is that Newsweek ran a fact check. Has Joe Biden's approval rating gone underwater amid Afghanistan criticism? It needs to be fact check, fact checked because the Democrat zealot tribalists will tell you it's fake news. His approval rating isn't going down, or if, if it's going down, it's not because of this. No, it's not true. So Newsweek says, okay, we got to fact check this one. Why? They run fact checks on things that find themselves in culture war conflict when the left and the right are in disagreement about something. Newsweek had to run a fact check on very obvious polling, concluding it is true. Biden's approval rating has dipped, coinciding with criticism he has faced over the U.S. military withdrawal from Afghanistan. During this dip, his approval rating fell below his, his, his approval rating fell below his disapproval rating. This has given him a net negative rating, which can be described as being underwater. Over at Civics, you can take a look at the net approval, negative nine. Negative nine net approval for Joe Biden. He's faltered and it was obvious. 
And I'm shocked that people were even willing to give him this chance. To be completely honest, I was I was surprised people thought that Joe Biden would be capable of this. You think this guy could do this job, man. Now you go back and it starts to it starts to appear like maybe maybe those people calling for the 25th Amendment or impeachment are correct. The Hill says Biden approval rating drops to record low 48 percent in morning consult poll. Now, 48 is higher than some of the other polls we have. But again, even in polling that generally favors the president, record lows. Now, here's the best assessment. And then we'll talk about removing the man from the Hill. Biden's falling poll numbers, both better and worse than you think. Really? Better? In what capacity? All right. Well, they're going to mention something about the British Army being, you know, um, evacuated. But let's let's take a look at this. Bad news for the 2022 midterms. Here's why it's worse than you realize. Biden's approval has fallen, but there is not much consensus on how far. Recent polls have his approval rating, approval rating ranging from 41 to 50 percent. Where Americans do agree is that the Biden administration has badly botched its Afghanistan policy. In a CBS News survey, 74 percent believe the withdrawal has gone badly including 62% of Democrats. This collapse is in support spells trouble for the Democrats in the midterm elections, already likely to lose seats. Their House majority is looking ever more ephemeral. As the midterm elections are generally a referendum on the president, any slide in his approval and public confidence is a severe problem. The recent experience of Presidents Clinton and Obama is particularly ominous for Democrats. Both Clinton and Obama saw initial strong approval ratings after 100 days. Clinton at 55, Obama at 65, yet both saw their approvals fall to the low 40% range by midterm election day. Similarly, Biden had higher ratings after 100 days, 57 approval. But now his numbers are sinking down over 10 points from his high water mark. Both Clinton and Obama saw their House majorities collapse, losing 54 and 63 seats respectively. Beyond the numbers, Biden is simply not handling the first true crisis of his administration well at all. First true crisis? I thought the labor shortage, the rising prices would, and the border crisis, children sleeping in dirt, that would land somewhere on the crisis chart, wouldn't it? Sure. Beyond the numbers, they say, they say, he had a fairly quiet first seven months and his high approval ratings seem to be tied not just to the typical honeymoon of any new presidency, but to the relief that the tumult of the Trump administration had passed. But not now. Not only has Team Biden looked lost and befuddled, the patina of competence has worn off. If Biden continues his current trajectory, Democrats could be staring into a nasty abyss in 2022. And tell me this. Why should I, an independent, disaffected liberal, vote Republican in 2022? I voted Republican in 2020. I begrudgingly voted down ballot Republican because I didn't want the Democrats to have power because they're nuts. Is that the only thing you have to offer me is that I don't like Democrats? Sorry, not good enough. It was when Trump released his second term agenda. I said, you know what? I can get behind this and I'll vote down ballot because I can. And I want to see Trump's agenda, a school choice, for instance, banning critical race applied principles, identitarianism. Those things violate the law. They should be called out. Ending the war in Afghanistan. All of these things I like. Even when Biden botches it, I still like the fact that we're getting out of Afghanistan. I can recognize that as bad as it is. Why should I vote for Republican in 2022? What are they going to offer? Are they simply going to say, look how bad Biden is? You know, that doesn't sit well with me. I do not want to entertain exactly what caused this problem in the first place, that Biden was voted in simply because people hated Trump so much. Now, granted, hatred of Trump is different from actually giving him a, 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 a good faith approval or disapproval. 
I think Donald Trump did a fair job. I think he did some things wrong. He said some things that were dumb, a lot of things that were dumb. But all in all, the economy was doing really, really well. He was drawing down our forces in the Middle East. I liked a lot of it. He was strengthening our borders, bringing jobs back to the country. Those are good things. Banning critical race uh, praxis in government trainings and, con- and with contractors. I liked those things. So I think he did fairly decently on COVID. I think he made a lot of mistakes, but it's hard to know for sure. This was a tough issue to deal with. And I think, you know, Trump should never have entertained any lockdowns or what was happening. But, you know, here we are. Biden deserves credit for following through with the withdrawal. I'm going to say it, even if it was bad. Now, he screwed it up royally and deserves criticism in that regard. But we, but we, want, we want to be fair. You know, I, I like the I like the drawdown. Trump started it. Biden completed it. I say in that area alone, good for them. It's just a it's just a shame that they voted for somebody not because he was going to do something they wanted, but because he wasn't Trump. So do you expect me to do that in 2022? I'm not I'm not I'm not entertaining that idea. But We'll see what the Republicans actually have to offer. A lot of populist Republicans are, are, are now, you know, stepping up. Uh, they've got some better ideas. They're pushing a lot of those things that Trump was pushing, and that's a good reason to vote for them. Let's throw it back to the demands for the removal of Joe Biden, though. Perhaps, my friends, the removal of Joe Biden would be a good thing or a bad thing. Let's think about it. Right now, we have chaos. We have a failing administration labor shortage, economic crisis, inflation, crisis at our southern border, a million, what, a million Afghan refugees now desperate to flee the country. The Afghan economy is in collapse. Photos emerging of people lining up outside banks, can't get any money. Taliban has no way to operate the infrastructure of this country, nor nor do they know how. They're not going to be able to keep the lights on. Do we say enough is enough? It must stop now. Get him out. Okay. Then do we get President Kamala Harris? And is she going to do the same stupid things, push the same stupid agenda? Is it going to be Nancy Pelosi? Or maybe the Republicans have no choice but to wait. Why? Well, there's the political aspect. Does it make sense to impeach Joe Biden or Joe Biden and Kamala and then just make Speaker Pelosi president when her policies are going to be as bad as Kamala's or Biden's? Or are they stuck? Because impeachment won't actually do anything to change the administration. And also, in the political realm, is showing people that you get what you vote for in this capacity something that is going to greatly benefit Republicans in the House, granting them subpoena power and impeachment power? Because let's be real, even if Republicans wanted to make this move right now, could they do it? No. Although, Some Democrats could potentially step in and say, yeah, so here's the issue. Republicans are in the minority by only a small number. I think it's like 11. Let's say 15 to 20 Democrats, progressive ones, step up and say, we want Biden out. Every single Republican might say, "Okay." And then you have a 50-50 Senate. Maybe you get Manchin saying, yep, get rid of Biden. That just means you get Kamala. And that's probably why the Democrats would go along with it, because they'd be like, we retain the presidency for now and create an opportunity to, to pull out of this, this, this spiral, this, this entropic collapse that we're in. Which brings me back to that, that article about the, the good. So, so the article is, it's both, both better and worse. What's better about Biden's failing approval ratings? They say this, Biden can recover for 2024. They say most Americans don't blame him for the Afghanistan war in general, and they approve of him getting out. 
Americans still don't put foreign policy at the top of their concerns. In the most recent YouGov benchmark, respondents put healthcare, the economy, and the environment at the top. National security comes in fourth on the list, with just 9% ranking it as a top issue. And that is boosted by Republicans who place it on top for now at 16%. Biden can recover. Absolutely. I mean, three years is an eternity, is beyond an eternity. It is oblivion when it comes to politics. You, I mean, we're talking like a month can change an election outright. So maybe if the Republicans act too soon and get rid of Biden, Kamala Harris will instantly see a boost in the polls. Democrats and independents will be like, OK, Biden's gone. That's a relief. And maybe what makes more sense is to say you voted for this. You get it. We'll do our best to mitigate the damage. But come 2022, we will wait for a referendum on the president and not make a hasty action right now. So to the Republicans who are saying, you know, you got to get them out. It may just be empty platitudes because are the Democrats really going to go along with it. Raw story reports and mind you, a left by a source. Bobert said the blame starts at the top. She said during a Freedom Caucus press conference with Biden and his handpicked vice president who bragged that she was right there making the same bad decisions. And if not for her own dereliction of duty, she should be impeached for not demanding we invoke the 25th Amendment. Impeach Biden, impeach Kamala Harris and throw in the secretary of state, she said. I came here to make sure my boys never lived in a socialist nation. And right now, today, I have to second guess who would actually lead them if they took a stand to serve and join our military. Woke doesn't work. Cutting and running doesn't work. Being asleep or senile or sucking on applesauce obviously doesn't work. And she's not the only one. We have Madison Cawthorn. Fox News reports that the freshman rep for the Republican Party, Madison Cawthorn, is calling on Vice President Kamala Harris to invoke the 25th Amendment and remove President Biden from office following the deadly botched withdrawal of the U.S. of U.S. troops in Afghanistan. Our nation is at a crisis point. He wrote a letter. He warned of China's ambitions on the world stage, the resurgent Russia, rising inflation, chaos at the southern border, and other global predicaments threatening the U.S., and argued that confronting them will take strong, decisive leadership. And do you think that will be Kamala Harris? Joe Biden's physical inability to lead is not a political talking point. It's a demonstrable fact, Cawthorn told Fox News on Thursday evening. He is not mentally fit to serve as president of the United States. It's tough, really. I see the true political value in retaining the House and getting subpoena power and then investigating and then impeaching, because right now it maybe is just a pipe dream to claim you even could. Maybe Republicans should just try because we can't go another minute of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris might actually be better. I know it's crazy to say, right? People are thinking there that it's a positive statement. I'm not saying Kamala Harris is good at her job. I'm saying if, on a, if, if you've got negative 100 to positive 100 with Trump sitting at like a positive 50, you know, he's like a lot of what he's doing is good, but man, it's far from perfect. And then the negatives, it's getting really, really bad. Yeah, the Biden administration is like negative 100 at this point. And OK, that's unfair. Like a negative 83. How about that? And Kamala Harris would be like negative 10. But negative 10 is better than negative 83. You get, my, you get my point. She may still be really, really bad. But isn't it just slightly better than Biden? And therein lies, I think, the ultimate problem with how this election went down. And, you know, what, what we're dealing with now is that Kamala Harris didn't get a single delegate. She was unpopular. Nobody liked her. They could have put up a ham sandwich and people would have voted for it because people were locked down in their houses. 
There was no sports. They had no, they had nothing to do. Movies weren't happening. I guess streaming movies were. Their sports were taken away. And so they just said, what do we have? And so then people were just plugged in, inundated with politics all day, every day. And then you had universal mail-in voting, rule changes. And people were just told, vote for anything so long as it's not Donald Trump. Stay alive, Joe Biden. All we need is your corporeal form. And this is what you voted for. Some of this makes me hopeful, you know, because I feel like there's a lot of people waking up. The people who are tweeting, I regret my vote. I'm like, those people are going to be more discerning in the future now realizing they've been had. The polls are changing, changing. Independents are waking up, but it's Democrats who aren't. But there's one thing you don't see in the civics poll that I think is very important. Among Democrats, Joe Biden has a 78% net approval, which is actually quite incredible. What they don't tell you, how many people left the Democratic Party? Aha, interesting, isn't it? When you see 85% approval for Biden, let's say, let's do simple math. A hundred people say, yay, we love Biden. And then 15 of them say, you know what? We're not approving of Biden anymore. You then say, okay, his approval rating has gone down. But what would happen if you actually saw another small percentage of people say, you know what? I'm leaving the Democratic Party outright over this. The percentage would stay relatively the same depending on how many people left and stayed. It may still be 85% approval with the party shrinking. And therein lies the important picture. The people willing to say they're Democrats will always back Biden. But maybe what's really happening is the reason independents are souring on Biden is because not just independent voters waking up, but Democrat voters going independent, realizing the Democratic Party has nothing to offer you. Perhaps that is, in the end, what may be happening and maybe happening in both parties to a certain degree. We'll see how things play out come 2022. We're about a year away. So campaigning and politicking is about to start swinging. Man, I can't believe it's September already. Isn't that crazy? So Labor Day is coming up. I hope you enjoy that weekend and have a good time. And then we're going to be entering 2022 soon. And uh, then we're going to see Knives Out, baby. I'll leave it there. Next segment's coming up at youtube.com slash timcastirl. Thanks for hanging out. That'll be at 8 p.m. And I'll see you all then. The left is pouncing on a story about Texas six-week abortion ban going into effect because the U.S. Supreme Court has stayed silent and they're outraged. And they've got some hashtags to go along with this, like American Taliban and Sharia law. And they're saying things like, you know, we were fighting the enemy overseas when they were when it was right here in front of us because the Republicans, you know, are religious and dogmatic and want to take away people's right to choose. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Bill de Blasio who took away people's right to choose whether or not to get a medical procedure. I'm pretty sure it's the businesses in New York that are choosing to discriminate against people who are ineligible for the vaccine. I'm pretty sure it's all of the urban liberal Democrat types in New York who are literally telling you, you have no right to choose. So who's really pro-choice here? Because I'll tell you this, man, I've always been fairly libertarian in the philosophical sense, not like the party or anything like that. I've always been like, you got to make the choice that's right for you. And that comes to very interesting and uh, very challenging ethical conundrums pertaining to pro-life versus pro-choice. But you know what? And we can get into it. A lot of people don't like it because it's a very, very contentious issue. And admittedly, I think the issue of abortion is quite possibly one of the most difficult ethical conundrums we face because there's no middle ground, period. There's just none. 
And that means a lot of people are always going to be mad. But I've always resorted to I do not believe the government should be intervening in what people are doing medically. And hear me out because, you know, a lot of conservatives have said I'm secretly or actually pro-life and just need to accept it because I'm not for what the left does in terms of abortion. I think they're over the top and wrong. But I think there's, there's a conversation that needs to be had, one that I don't have the answers to. And I'll put it this way. When I sat down with Glenn Beck uh, uh, a while ago now, I think maybe even, what was it, two years ago, maybe? Wow. Um, was it two years ago? Man, time flies. Uh, we, we, we had a discussion about it, and, and we talked about government principles and protecting life, and we agreed on so much, but we hit an impasse on, uh, on where the government has to step in, and that's the big challenge. But I would say this. My position has always been fairly traditionally liber- uh, liberal, safe, legal, and rare, meaning I honestly think there should be, well, it, 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 is, it is very difficult. I, I'm just, I'm not the arbiter of morality, which is why I don't often make videos about this stuff. I really, really don't know other than the government has a, has a duty to protect life, fact. But there is an individual that has to go and talk to a doctor about something that may be challenging, disturbing, and I don't think the state should be involved in that. I, I will say personally, I am not in favor of um, purposeless abortion or abortion as contraception. That, I believe, is wrong and shouldn't be allowed. The problem with that is, and that's why conservatives say I'm actually pro-life, but the problem is, where does the government go into the private medical records of an individual to determine this stuff? And I'm just like, man, (laughs) far be it for me. But I'll tell you this. Comment. Let me know what you think. Let's read the news, and I'll tell you one thing. While, while I'm getting criticized for the left for not speaking out and saying what Texas is doing is wrong, my response is this. Texas is, is enacting a six-week abortion ban, the heartbeat bill, saying if the baby has a heartbeat, you cannot terminate it. It is an independent life. Okay, there are some issues there, and I absolutely am willing to present the nuance and the criticism, but I will tell you, how dare you come to me and say, why won't you support a women's right to choose when we literally have a story about a woman who has been arrested for having a fake COVID vaccine card? Now, if you want to claim, well, that's forgery and fraud. This woman has a right to choose, does she not? Why should she be subjected to laws because she chose not to get a medical procedure? You can't have it both ways. And no, I will not all of a sudden speak up in defense of what you want when you've crapped all over the the idea of medical autonomy and choice. You come to me and say pro-choice, I say bullcrap. These people are pro-abortion. And that's why they want New York to have the mandates. That's why they've written articles that they demand vaccine mandates. They don't want choice for you. They just don't want to admit they want abortion. And you might not, you might be saying, oh, Tim is being so hyperbolic. Yes. When Lena Dunham came out and said she wished she had an abortion. When Michelle, uh, what's her name? Uh, Wolf, I think her name, whatever, on Netflix. She goes, you get an abortion and you, I'm like, yeah, that, that's not what pro-choice was supposed to be. At least not when I was growing up. And then when I have these conversations with, you know, Christians and Catholics, they say, see, Tim, you're pro-life. And I'm like, dude, just because the left went insane doesn't mean my position changed. I grew up believing and being told abortion was always wrong. But there were some difficult situations in which a mother has to make that choice with her doctor. And it's not about financial reasons, in which case I'm like, yo, I don't think the government should be getting involved. And we got to find out where that line is. I honestly don't know because I'm not the arbiter of morality. 
But but we'll get into all this. Instead of I'll do the I'll do the rant and the philosophy stuff after I tell you the news. Here's the big breaking news from CBS. A controversial Texas law banning abortions after six weeks of pregnancy went into effect at midnight after the U.S. Supreme Court did not act on a request from pro-abortion rights groups. Look at that pro-abortion. They're, they're even they're, they're even saying it in CBS News. This is something people need to understand. This is not pro-choice. This is pro-abortion. The law is one of the nation's most restrictive, prohibiting nearly all abortions in the state. The abortion rights group warned the high court is expected to issue a decision on the bid from the providers. Now, what the right is saying, many on the right, is that this is the heartbeat bill, meaning if the baby has a heartbeat, it is an independent life. You can't kill it. I totally understand and respect that argument 100%. My issue is government intervention, not the right to life. I believe life begins at conception. I believe to, to say anything otherwise is just an arbitrary, is, is, is an arbitrary argument that seeks to serve one's political interests. You know, when I was talking with Vosh, uh, I think it was in the member segment we just did uh, recently with Charlie and Vosh, and I asked him, like, when does life begin? And I, I, or maybe it was Charlie who asked it, but he said, probably birth. And I'm like, that's, that's wrong. Because there are, I think at five months, a baby in the womb is a, is, can survive on its own. The challenges I have when it comes to this stuff is, I think abortion is wrong. But I also think there's some circumstances where like, I talked with Seamus Coughlin about this, of Freedom Tunes. We had, a, we had an interesting discussion. He didn't, we didn't see things eye to eye, but I'm like, I think we agree a lot. If the mother would die and the baby would die or the baby would die anyway, or the mother would die, then I'm like, then someone's going to have to make a very difficult choice. But what we heard from like Northam, where he was like, the baby will be delivered. And then, no, that's insane. If the mother and the baby are, are, are healthy and can survive, I think it's wrong. I think safe, legal, and rare. I do not believe that people can just go in and say for no reason whatsoever, you know what? It was, it was an accident. Oh, well, too bad. In fact, I find this really interesting because conservatives often say force and incest are, are uh, exemptions. And I'm like, I don't even agree with that. And people are like, see, you're pro-life. And I'm like, no, but I, what I'm saying is there will probably be circumstances where people abuse the system. And I think that's bad and wrong, but I just can't bring myself to be like, empower the government more to get involved in people's private medical decisions and be forced to provide proof as to their medical status. I'm like, I don't like it for vaccines. I don't like it for anything. Stay the hell out of my business. But I get it. To, to, to be fair to the conservative argument, this is a second independent life that is in the equation with, an, with, with in, need, in need of an advocate, which is why I'm just like, man, ultimately, I, the only thing I can do is err on the side of less government, which means I could be morally, it could be morally wrong. And I just, I just don't know because I'm more concerned about the slippery slope of what happens when government gets involved in medical care. That's why I've often said I'm in favor of universal health care. I would love universal health care. I think it is the ideal system. The problem is uh, right now, our government, most governments are corrupted, corruptible, and they want to distribute the vaccine based on race. They tried. I think some places did it. In which case I'm like, Yo, how can I be in favor of a medical system that's going to racialize distribution? Get the government out of it. And so then I fall to this more liberal position of we can have some government funded healthcare services and we need private insurance. It is tough. It's hard to know what the answers are. People like to say I'm a milk toast fence sitter. And I don't think it's because I think the issue is people demand that I take a moral position. And I'm like, ultimately, philosophically, I don't know. 
And that's why I don't take strong philosophical positions. And that's that, that sucks, I guess, for the people on the left who are criticizing me, saying I should be defending them when they're total and complete hypocrites. And, and that's that's the thing. They're like, why won't Tim? You know, they tweeted me. Why won't you badmouth the Republicans? Because the Republicans tell me I'm morally, legally and ethically wrong, but they're consistent on their positions. The, the, the Democrats com- are just completely not. At least I can understand the argument from the right, even if we disagree on, on, the, on the line. And I think Louis C.K. Louis C. K. said it really well. He was like, if I thought people were going around killing babies, I'd be pissed off too. And I'm like, yo, <laughs> they are. The challenge for me is, now talking to Seamus about this, the problem we face is that I think it's something like 90 plus, 99% of, of abortions, they say um, no reason given. And so I think we have extreme abuse of the system, and I don't know what the answer is. I really, really don't. But maybe there is something to be said in that we need the option for individuals to go to the doctor and make difficult choices pertaining to their own health. And maybe there there should be some justification for it. Now, this doesn't even go that far. So this is at six weeks, you will not be allowed. Well, let me read it. They say, in addition to outlawing abortion as early as six weeks into a pregnancy before most women know they're pregnant. The measure allows private citizens to bring civil lawsuits against anyone who provides an abortion after six weeks or helps a woman access the procedure, such as a friend who drives a woman to obtain an abortion or clinic staff. Those found in violation of the law are required to pay at least $10,000 to the person who successfully brought the suit. I wonder what standing they would have. Now, once again, CBS says the pro-abortion rights organization had warned that if permitted to take effect, the ban would immediately and catastrophically reduce abortion access in Texas. The groups included Planned Parenthood, the Center for Reproductive Rights, the ACLU, and abortion providers. They estimated that at least 85% of women who undergo abortions in Texas are at least six weeks pregnant and warned the law would force many clinics to close. The left is arguing. Many women don't know that they're pregnant by six weeks. There's potentially a two-week window where they may know. The argument is that the first time the woman misses her period— that's uh, when she realizes she may be pregnant. She gets a test. They backdate the start of pregnancy to the last known period because there's no there's no way to know exactly when it started in that period. That would mean women would have at, uh, at, at, at I think at least two weeks. Now, the issue I take with this is that women could just say whenever their period was and then grant themselves a month. They could just lie about this. You see the issue? So I, I'm genuinely confused by the less argument on this. Two weeks, that's a decent amount of time. I get it. It might be stressful and wrong. I, I, all I can do is say this. I once again see hypocrisy from the left. If you truly understand what the pro-life argument is, then I'm not seeing hypocrisy. I'm seeing individuals say that you have a woman and you have a baby, two individual lives. I disagree with the ultimate assessment. My issue is I don't think the state should be able to force someone to provide their body to someone else, which creates a predicament because I don't think abortion should be used as contraception, uh, as a contraceptive. But I also don't think the government has a right to be like, yeah, well, too bad. Your body must be provided to somebody else. It's 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 tough. And I think when you honestly listen to uh, everybody, you'll see that there are real issues and that make it very difficult to come to a conclusion on this one, which is why I said, you know, far be it for me to pretend to have any moral answers. I'm not a priest. I'm not uh, I'm not an uh, arbiter of morality. But when it comes to the pro-choice argument, I'm not a fan of the arbitrary <clears throat> pro-abortion argument or any of that stuff. But I recognize what if 
through no fault of your own, you are, you know, as a woman, you find yourself here carrying a life that you you you, you can't bring to term for some reason or that uh, you're, you're struggling and the government's going to say to you, you have no choice regardless of, you know, you have no bodily autonomy. That's tough. It really is. Because that means you're staring down the barrel of ending a life because life begins a contraception or having to, to carry this, you know, this baby to term. It's, it's rough. You know what, though? Often I find myself just deferring back to women on the issue because I believe, I believe most women are pro-life. And so far be it from me as a dude to tell women what they should or shouldn't do. Hey, how about that? So I only ask for a little bit of consistency. Now, if most women are pro-life, I just like, you know what? I, I, guess, I guess it's more of an issue if it was my child, but it, it is tough. Again, you can't come to me for, 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 for this kind of morality stuff. I can talk to you about freedom, but this is one of the ultimate questions of freedom, and that's why I don't have an answer for it, because either you say the government does intervene in medical decisions, some of which are very difficult, very personal, and very embarrassing, or they don't, in which case they aren't protecting all life. You know, Dave Smith, the Mises Caucus guys, they're pro-life and they're libertarians. And their, and their point is that the government has an obligation. You know, look, libertarian doesn't mean no government, but the government has an obligation to protect life. It's one of the things they do. That's tough. But let me tell you this. Dan Rather, he tweeted, it's worth noting that many of the same people attacking the Biden administration for leaving women's rights behind in Afghanistan are eager to control women's bodies and choices in the United States. Many of the same people attacking, but you mean Democrats, the ones who are telling women and men and everybody, they have no right to choose their medical. They have no right to make medical decisions in New York City, in San Francisco, in New Orleans, in L.A., etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. San Jose is implementing this. What about Google? Google's telling women they have no right to choose. Liars! They're lying to you. They're pro-abortion. Okay, I'll tell you this: you may be on the right, you may be on the left, and the reason I think both sides don't like me, why the left is criticizing me and why the right is criticizing me is because I'm not pro-life and I'm not pro-abortion. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm my morality as a dude who can't get pregnant is mostly just falling on decentralization of power, which creates very serious ethical conundrums. And now we get some viral trends. Sharia law. Amazing. Look at this. Someone drew the ISIS flag, but it says Republican. Welcome to Texas. Sharia law and the purge all rolled into one state. Here we have American Taliban. Isn't, isn't that great? All of these people blaming, uh, saying that Texas is anything like uh, uh, the Taliban. It's insane. And it's a lie. And it's sheer hypocrisy. Because while I may not be able to give you any good moral uh, um, answers or religious answers or any of the great truths about the issue of life versus choice, I can tell you this. From Newsweek, woman caught with fake COVID vaccine card with Moderna written on it. Okay, well, you spelled Moderna wrong, lady. But here's this woman. An Illinois woman was arrested in Hawaii for allegedly submitting a fake vaccine card on which the name of the jab she claimed to have received was misspelled. What if the doctor misspelled it? So innocent until proven guilty. But I saw this story and it's also going viral. 
on Twitter, Matt Derna is also right here. Look at this. So I pulled up Sharia law, viral trend, and you have Matt Derna right here trending in the US. And what are these people all saying? They're making fun of her. See what the funky cold Moderna makes you do. A lot of news are talking about it. Misspelling Moderna, fake COVID card. And they're like, you can just go and get a free vaccine. All of these people are ragging on this woman. Do they ever stop to ask whether this woman has a right to choose what is done to her body? Or does the state have the right to control it? So I'll tell you this. Here's your argument, pro-lifers. When anyone comes to you and says you can't be pro-life, that's true. You'd be like, ah, you know, I was pro-choice until I agreed with you on the vaccine mandates. The state should have a right to determine what you can do with your body, right? That's what they're doing in New York. There's no medical exceptions, exemptions in New York. No, they're just, they're, they're putting out these posters where you have to, oh, not this one, here we go. You have to uh, be vaccinated no matter what. I'm going to call this number too. I'm going to call in a second. New York City requires you be vaccinated against COVID-19 to enter this business. To find out where to get a free vaccine, visit, blah, blah, blah. And then it says you have a right to be free from discrimination or harassment from businesses such as gyms and restaurants. Contact the NYC Commission on Human Rights. There's no medical exemption. So in New York, if you want to use basic services, you have to undergo a medical procedure by order of the state. Now, I'll tell you why I find this so funny. When it comes to life versus choice, being pro-life, it's in, it, it depends on your, your argument, right? I was talking to, when I was talking to Seamus, he said, obviously, if there would be the death of a woman and the child or some very serious medical effects, those are okay. And that's why I'm like, that's, that's the issue. Because what if that happens? Should that woman have to then file with the state? Like, here's exactly why and like still have to carry maybe like a stillborn baby or something like that. And then Seamus said that that's not an abortion. An abortion is when you kill a living viable baby. And I'm like, now we're arguing semantics because I would agree. I would agree with you to a great extent, right? That arbitrarily just ending a baby's life is wrong. And the challenge is where you allow the government to enter into the, into the, into the, into the discussion. But I'll tell you, no, no woman is being barred, uh, you know, from a public accommodation by nature of having a pregnancy. She can't terminate. She's just told, well, you know, you're pregnant. The baby's fine. You can't, you can't end its life. And there's some libertarian arguments there. Sure. But in New York City, they're telling everyone, undergo this minor medical procedure or you can't buy a cheeseburger. Isn't one substantially more egregious than the other? What I mean to say is telling someone who gets pregnant that has a healthy baby that it's their responsibility now, barring, you know, exceptions, is not the same as telling people undergo a, a medical procedure by order of the state. Otherwise, you can't live in this city anymore. They're different. There are very serious uh, ethical questions that people have pondered for generations. I will never pretend to be a great philosopher who knows everything about the world. I have only questions. I know so little. So, of course, people have strong positions. I personally, I, I, I don't know. And, and that's bad. And people will get mad at me for it. But, yo, I'm just some dude on the Internet talking to the camera. Here's what I want to see. I want to see the left actually be for freedom and for bodily autonomy. They're not. So I will tell you this, my final thought to all the pro-lifers, you will find that I will be more likely on your side for several reasons, even though we disagree on, on, on some of these core issues. Again, why conservatives probably call me pro-life. When I, when I stand here on the political compass, leaning slightly center left, and I look to my right, 
I see Seamus Coughlin, who says, I get it, right? If there is a, a serious medical issue that the, the mother and the baby are facing, and there's a difficult decision that has, has to be made, that's not an abortion. An abortion is ending a living, viable baby, just ending its life. That's wrong. And I say, I totally understand. I, I totally understand that. And I agree with that. Now, let's have an, a discussion about where the government comes in and how we manage that. So ultimately, I lean more towards the government not being involved, which gives more leeway to the person and then probably would result in abuse of this, which is, it sucks. And then I look to my left, and I don't see anything. I see literally, I'm like, I don't see anybody standing there. So Seamus hands me a, a you know, uh, uh, what is it? What? <laughs> uh, a, not a telescope, not a periscope. What's the, uh, whatever. What's the, th- I'm, 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 I can't think of the word, but uh, a pair of binoculars. We'll go with that one. And I look through it, and way down off in the distance, I see Lena Dunham saying she wished she had an abortion. And I'm like, yo, that lady's crazy. And I see Tulsi Gabbard, who says safe, legal, and rare. And I'm like, that's what I'm talking about. Safe, legal, and rare. There's, there, you got to have a long conversation about this. But the best I can say is this. If the left is going to come to me and say you have no bodily autonomy when it comes to the vaccines, but women should be allowed to just arbitrarily, whenever they want for any reason, get an abortion without question— I'm going to be like, yo, there's a very serious hole in your argument, and I don't trust you. Here you go. I'll say it for the 800th time. I don't have the answers, man. I can tell you that, though. So hopefully that's enough to either tell, show leftists that they're being hypocritical or provide pro-lifers with an argument as to why the left is wrong about Texas. I'll leave it there. Next segment will be at 4 p.m. over at youtube.com slash Timcast. Thanks for hanging out, and I will see you all then. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.